didn't want to live as a Templar. But you'll die as one. I, one, am the high priest and executor of your initiation. following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. <laughs> they must be destroyed on sight! Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 169. I'm your host, Lee, the high priest and executor of your initiation, Russell. Joined by my co-host, Daniel Books. That's what started the apocalypse, Harper. How you doing, sir? I am uh, ready to be um, given my initiation, sir. That's the. Uh, <laughs> we'll just leave it at that until we get there. But uh, <laughs> that was a moment watching this film I did not expect. Yeah, there, there, there's a few surprises in this film that we're doing this time out. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Enzo G. Castellari's The New Barbarians from 1983. But before we get into that, we do have some uh, comments to get through here. So first off, let's just get the fucking YouTube comment out of the way. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a comment on our uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia episode. And this is from someone called Max Mayer. And he says, you dumb piece of crap, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I don't care about your quote unquote F-A-G-O-T. So he spelled faggot wrong. Comments. You cunt. More exclamation points. I want to see the movie. And more exclamation points until the last one where he forgot to hold the shift key and it was a one. (laughs) And I, they just descend into self parody sometimes, don't they? They do. It's just I, I don't know if he could. Uh, I don't know if he has the intellect to even appreciate a movie that's even as you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, if he'd listened long enough, we would have told him where to find the movie. That's mm-hmm. that's that's the thing, you know. Like we always tell you where you can find the movie at the end, yeah. even if it's like, well, you got to pay for it or you know whatever. But we, we would have told you where to find it. So. I did. I did suggest to him. I can't remember my exact comment. I think it was a bit more mean spirited, but I did suggest to him that he could just buy or rent the movie. Yeah, you could look for that film up your own asshole if you if you chose mm-hmm. to. I'm not guaranteeing you would find it there, but it would be more useful than uh, what you just did—an <laughs> uh, initiation of sorts. If yeah. We, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Um, we have Jeff Williams' uh, recommendation of the week. This time out, it's Rabid Dogs from 1974. Uh, he says, I heard a rumor that the name of the podcast was being changed to They Must Be Friend George Eastman on site. So in keeping with that, let's all take a drink with good old 32 and watch as Mario Bava schools everyone on how to make a tense, compelling Euro crime film. Uh, and Luigi Montefiore shows him how to choose scenery like a boss. Yeah, sounds good. I'm I'm down for any George Eastman. Stuff. I I kind of just want to let him program the podcast for like two months. <laughs> like that, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm landing on this at this point. Um, because like almost everything he puts out there sounds like yeah, I'm really interested in seeing that. Like he knows our taste well enough to kind of recommend stuff, and I'm just always like, yeah, let's just do that. So maybe we'll, well have to do that at some point. Yeah, well, I mean, he's given us so many recommendations now. I got to update our uh, master list there um, and put all of his stuff under the rec- the uh, listener requests, basically, and uh, we'll build a we'll build a month or two out of that. I think, yeah, something that somewhere down the line. So uh, again, thank you, Jeff. It's always good. And we got two comments here. First one from Derek, and who's from the uh, Kill the Cast and Cinema Attack podcasts, and they got a bunch of sub podcasts and stuff like that, just like we do. <laughs> because that's that's what you do when you're an independent podcaster who makes no money. You just you don't have one podcast. You have eight podcasts, mm-hmm. and they're all under one banner, and they share co-hosts, and then you guests on other people's shows and there's just this giant interconnected web of like the like the expanded universe of, of podcasting to yeah. 100 listeners that's the way it works if it's in our case it's like 32 people listen to those shows and that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he says uh in regards to the new barbarians he says all the hair is epic as all hell in this flick and the claudio simonetti score rocks and george eastman being george eastman yes indeed um, I'm sure we'll get into some of these details as we discuss the film. And my friend Ricky Morgan from the Hail Ming Power Hour, House of Wax, Short Bus Cinema, about a million other podcasts. I think he's trying to put them all together as one podcast at some point because he got a little hit of himself there. But <laughs> It happens. <laughs> yeah. He said a delicious crap sandwich. And uh, that, that could also be an apt description. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll get into it. But yeah. um, not boring. That's where I'm going to land on, <laughs> you know, not boring <laughs> or rarely boring. Shall we say it that way? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break, play some podcast promos, some music from this film, and then we're going to come back and talk about the new barbarians. Bad movies. The world is full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus Cinema. Let's do it. Hey everyone, this is Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. And this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. We have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo! 
Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. You ungodly warlock. The New Barbarians from 1983, a.k.a. Warriors of the Wasteland, The New Barbarians, Warriors of the Wasteland, and Metropolis 2000, for some fucking reason. <laughs> I don't get that one at all. Metropolis 2000, yes. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the West German title, apparently. <laughs> yeah, very, cle- <laughs> very cleverly working on the Fritz Lang um, leitmotif that like lies underneath the uh, thematic significance of this film. Mm-hmm. Very much so, yes. At the beginning of the 21st century, the nuclear holocaust had come to pass and civilization vanished. It was a time of chaos and violence until one day there appeared... The New Barbarians. The New Barbarians. 
new barbarians. Directed by Enzo G. Castellari, written by Tito Capri, Enzo G. Castellari, and Antonio Visoni. It is starring Giancarlo Prete as Scorpion, Fred Williamson, uh, actor, football player, all around fucking cool dude who should have been the lead in this film as Nadir. George Eastman is back again as One, Anna Kanakis as Alma, Inio. Gyorolami 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 as Shadow and uh, I dare say he looks like fucking Stacy Keach auditioning for Battlefield Earth in in this film we're gonna get to him don't worry (laughs) (laughs) then we have Venonatino Venonatini as Father Moses Massimo Vanni as Mako Giovanni Frizza as Young Mechanic, and this is Bob from Host by the Cemetery, by the way, that little fucking prick. He's in this movie, cursing me again. Iris Peinado as Vinya, and Andrea Coppola as Mako's friend. And I don't know if there's any actual <laughs> relation to Francis Ford Coppola there, or Nick Cage, but who knows? Could be, could be. Could be. Synopsis here, I pulled this one from uh, Wikipedia, because the synopsis for on it on IMDb was even below our usual standards. So in the year 2019, so very, very current in this movie. Very, yeah. Very, very apt, accurate, uh, right to the, right to the, right to the microsecond is, is the, uh, the accuracy of this film. Yeah. In the year 2019, after a nuclear war, humanity is reduced to a few starving groups. A ruthless gang called the Templars constantly raids settlers in an attempt to exterminate everyone in order to purge the earth. A former Templar, Scorpion, along with his allies, prevents a small band of religious colonists from being massacred by the Templars. And, yeah, that's fairly accurate, I guess. Yeah, uh, well, although, that's... you know, it, it is the plot. Uh, whether that plot makes much sense as we get into it, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it's, as long as you open, you know, in this blatant Mad Max ripoff, comma, mm-hmm. that's where you begin. And then you can end kind of wherever, but like you, you have to, in order to properly describe the film, that's where you have to start. Yeah. Cause it's very so, much at that. So Daniel, I know this is your first time watching this, right? Yep. Yeah, now so. I, I saw, um, I saw parts of this, uh, before because, okay. uh, back when we had an Alamo in my town, uh, an Alamo draft house in the town, they would show kind of like bits of old movies and stuff to kind of like pump you up for whatever movie you're going to go see. And, uh, in front of uh, Mad Max Fury road, they had bits of the new barbarians, hmm. which I recognized the second I saw some of the cars and in particular, some of the hairstyles. I went, Oh, I recognize that guy. And so I had seen some of the basis of the car, you know, the car chase footage, the uh, stuff of people getting impaled and uh, such with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, metal spikes coming out of uh, cars. I had seen that before, but this was the first time watching the entire film. So yes. Yeah, so, so what are your thoughts on it in general? <laughs> uh, it was not a. Uh, it was not an unpleasant watch. Uh, in, in places, it was an unpleasant watch. There's some really unpleasant stuff in the film. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> stuff that really came out of the blue. I really. I mean, this is one that. I mean, it's a zero budget Mad Max ripoff ultimately. Yeah. And for being that, it's fine. 
Like there's there's no like I don't have any I I kind of like these post apocalyptic movies. I kind of like this this kind of aesthetic. I like the zero budgetness of it. I like the fact that there are kegs everywhere, which <laughs> I didn't even process as 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 like oh no, they're supposed to be like fuel tanks or something. I just you know I was just it, it, like I didn't even process that that's what they were trying to be. I was just like oh they're like everybody's drinking themselves to death. Clearly, you know <laughs> this is at a bar. No, no, right. This is supposed to be like fuel tanks or whatever. I think that uh particularly the first kind of half i was kind of admiring the sort of the effort that was put into like putting a a a bit of a story together and and i kind of was landing on the if you did this with sort of a modern effects budget even like a small effects you know if you did this kind of with modern sensibilities you could kind of shoot this script and it might actually be pretty good as the film goes on I, I felt that less and less. I mean, I think the film does kind of like, even to the degree that like it was, it was pretty entertaining and fun and kind of goofy and stuff. Um, once you realize you've seen all the action you're going to see, that you're not going to get kind of a big action scene at the end, and uh, it just kind of becomes the thing that it is. It kind of lost me more and more. I did like the fact that it's kind of like I say it's ripping off Mad Max, but it's, it's just as much ripping off of some of the James Bond stuff of that time and um, a bunch of the spaghetti westerns. Like yeah. you know, there's one element that's ripped completely out of the uh, Man with No Name trilogy. So mm-hmm. you know, you know, you, you you do love to see that, although uh, not done with nearly the uh, passion. You know, with the kind of the, that Leone would kind of bring to that. I. Uh, I, I do kind of really want to see a post-apocalyptic like sci-fi action flick that's just shot like a Leone film. I think it would be amazing. And, uh, you know, this, this kind of did whet my appetite for that. Overall, I don't know that I'm going to sit and watch this again, but it wasn't an unpleasant watch for one time. And uh, there's certainly some sequences that I'd probably kind of, you know, I could, I could see like putting on like some of the action stuff, just kind of fun, like stuff to watch on YouTube or whatever. So. Right. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And there's more to the film. I think there is a little bit of kind of thematic work and there's some character stuff, but yeah, that's kind of my overall impression, sure. <laughs> so that Leonian space thing you're looking for, apparently that new Star Wars series, that live action Star Wars TV series that's in development that's gonna show soon, like I think next year or, or maybe like <laughs> next year. Apparently that is Leonian space, the way they're doing right. it. Right. They're, they're they're they are trying to sort of prep it that way. I mean, who knows if it's actually gonna be pulled off i mean you know like I, I trust disney to do leone the way i trust disney to do well anything. we can we can <laughs> <laughs> i mean disney disney owns everything now so so who knows but uh you know like I, I, <laughs> anyway but, but um, uh, yeah i've i've seen this uh, before a couple times on vhs there is a blu-ray of this i don't think it necessarily warrants a blu-ray but i mean if you do want to see how if you want to see the plaster if you really want to get in deep and see all the detail on that plaster Mm -hmm. that's the way to do it i do kind of love just how incredibly cheap this is like this is castellari with probably just had some leftover money because at the same time he was doing his uh, two bronx warrior films which made a lot of money and were very popular and this didn't do either of those things. Apparently he shot all three in six months, which yes. is, uh, you know, yeah. So this is almost like, it feels like they had leftover budget from those two films. And it's like, oh, let's make another film. Why not? <laughs> We've got 200 bucks. We're in Italy. We've got a car. Go. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a car. There's one car. And then there's, there's one car and then a few buggies. dune buggies. Yeah. <laughs> let's make let's... a movie. So and, we, and uh, hey, uh, Gia Carlo, do you have, still have uh, some of that uh, sheet metal laying around that you're not using? Uh, yes, I have uh, all that. 
uh, well, let's let's just uh, let's uh, bolt it to these uh, dune buggies and make them future vehicles. Vroom vroom. Okay, <laughs> I think that's kind of what the discussion was because the foley work on this makes all those fucking cheap looking little dune buggies sound like future cars that are going super fast when they're going like two miles an hour. I, I love the fact that every automobile running in this thing kind of sounds like an electric razor. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the aesthetic we're going for. I, I like to think that they were literally just taking an electric razor and running it over a, a Foley mic, you know, vroom, vroom, you know, and that's the, uh, that's, that's the effect. Oh, and the one good car for our, our main guy, Scorpion. Yep. They, they took a nice looking muscle car and they made it look like the redheaded stepchild of the Batmobile or something like the way yeah, it, it, it is like if you were to cross Mel Gibson's car in Mad Max mm-hmm. you were to take that and then cross it with the 60s Batman car <laughs> and then cross that with the monstrosity car that Homer Simpson makes in that episode <laughs> of the Simpsons yes you know uh, and then you put like a big dome on the top of it that's that that's the oh thing my God, it's terrible it's like what were they? <laughs> but it's thinking? so entertaining to look at that fucking car, man. <laughs> like every time that car's on the screen, I'm just like, "What the fuck is this? Like, what's the bubble supposed to do?" Like, and so I'm sitting there and I'm just looking. Just, just we have to talk about like, you, go Google this fucking car. Like, this is the mm-hmm. thing you need to do. You look, <laughs> I look at this thing, and, and it's just like so. This film was made in 1982, 80, 82, 83, something mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's made in the early 80s, and so it's sort of in that vein of where everybody making this when they were a teenager would have kind of thought like all those 60s kind of futuristic Jetson cars right. were like the way of the future. And so they're kind of designing for that, but then it also has to be all run down and like destroyed and decrepit. So like apparently like it's 2019 in the universe of the film. It's been like nine years, I think, since the nuclear apocalypse. Yeah. So they got up to 2010, so they had all these like futuristic supercars <laughs> But then everything's been destroyed by a nuclear holocaust, and this is the world we live in. Which is actually, you know what? On a budget of four dollars, not bad, guys. I mean, you know, it just kind of looks ultimately ridiculous. But I get what you're going for. I mean, it's actually, yeah, sure. I uh, they, buy this as, as a concept. They were determined to make that bubble dome thing and that fucking plywood spoiler they put on the back look yeah. like the future i guess but yeah well and the and the thing is that like the, the thing that seemingly like nobody ever kind of realized when they were kind of designing this stuff is that you know the 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 market forces and capitalism would just sort of force companies to compete on things like gas mileage and you know and, and efficiency and then eventually they'd start just designing everything in computers and cars would all just get the same basic shape because you've perfected like how efficient you can make the aerodynamics around a vehicle to within like a few percent <laughs> and then a few tenths of a percent. And so everything just kind of looks the same. No, no, no. Instead, we're going to put giant bubbles on this and like completely there's... reduce our drag and all that. So, you know, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Right? There's no vehicle in this that's aerodynamic. They're all, they're all, <laughs> they all just have shit fucking hanging off them. Like it, and, they, and they all handle like golf carts. So when it is kind of like, you know, oh man, you got to learn to drive better, dude. I mean, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> uh, we got to tee off at, at the next hole now. Is that what's going on? Like, yeah, anyway. But, I mean, I, I see exactly where Turbo Kid ripped off most of its sort of mm. visual aesthetics from, because this is directly Turbo Kid's, even right down to the special effects, which are amazingly 
bad and amazingly ambitious at the same time. Because well, it, it, Turbo Kid did in what 2017 or whatever what they were trying to do here in 1983. Yeah, just in 1983 that meant like let's have latex and like a little bit of like red sponge or something when you cut right. off a guy's head. And in 2017, you have like CGI. <laughs> well, I think I think that well they didn't have they didn't do any CGI in Turbo Kid as far as I know though they just oh did they? Okay. effects right it's all gore effects and stuff it's all practical. Here it's all practical effects, and I swear they must have had just again. Castellari must have called up fucking Giancarlo or whoever the fuck, and it's like, do you still have that uh, warehouse of uh, mannequins laying around? And, because, <laughs> and it's like, well, yes, I still have those. And then they get some really like Z grade beef and just pack those yeah. mannequins full of them because yeah, pretty much. There's so many exploding bodies in this. It's just amazing. (laughs) Like half the budget was spent on on dynamite. That's Mm -hmm. the uh, the reality. Blasting caps of dynamite where you just, you just blow up bodies full of rancid beef. Probably that's the, that's the, or pork or something. Anyway. um, Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like, uh, you know, this is definitely one of those films where I knew that talking about it was going to be like more fun. I didn't even like actively dislike the film, but it was kind of like, Oh yeah, we're going to talk about some of this shit. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. And the, the, you know, the pleasure of the film, not the performances, not the, you know, but like the design of things and the kind of the sheer low budgetness of it. There's a lot of really, really fun stuff in that. And so uh, highly recommended for that at least. Um, Yeah. I would say, um, <laughs> so talking about our uh, fucking Giancarlo uh, Prete as Scorpion. <laughs> right. I've seen him in other stuff, and he's perfectly fine. But I think it's just, he's, he's cast more in the fact that he sort of has like Mel Gibson's hair <laughs> more than anything else. He's also like in his mid-40s at this point. So let, yeah. like, let's, and I actually kind of like the, like when he first shows up, I thought he was basically like, grizzled detective man in post-apocalyptic world you know as opposed mm-hmm. to like one of the people fleeing this this cult or, like this apocalyptic death cult or whatever i was kind of on board with you know post-apocalyptic detective goes around and like or cop you know goes around and like, does stuff i thought that was going to kind of be an interesting angle no it ends up not being that i do kind of like the idea of having a kind of like pudgy middle-aged protagonist in a film like this because we just never see that um and i do kind of like that he's a complete loser and everybody in the film (laughs) knows he's a complete loser and yet uh he gets his like one badass moment and that's enough you know or even like the 10 year old kid is going like dude you gotta learn to drive better like you're not like and yet they talk about him like Scorpion's gonna come and get you, and it's like, yeah, Scorpion's kind of a, you know, no, no. There's yeah, no. I, I think he, I think he's his own publicist or something like that. He yeah. spreads it around. Scorpion's I, a badass. I think, I think we get, I think we get uh, uh, shades of Buster Scruggs here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they call me the San Clemente Songbird, or you know, whatever. You know. <laughs> But fucking, but Fred Williamson is so much better as like yeah. the like the natural like lead in this, and right, right, and and he and like you can actually tell that Fred Williamson can fucking act, but he's just doing these really bad lines, but doing it really well. And he and and I mean, Fred I've Williamson seen... waltzes onto this from the set of a black exploitation film, and just does that. He literally gets to like bang a chick just because he does. Mm-hmm. It's straight uh, up black exploitation, you know. 
Well, I watched an interview with him, and he's like, so yeah, I got hooked up with Castellari. He's in at least one of the uh, Bronx Warriors films. Okay. Um, he's like, yeah, so Castellari wanted me to do another one. And he's like, it's just a minor role, but it'll keep your name in the European market as an action hero, because he was big as an action star in Europe. And he makes a point to say, like, there was a big difference between my level of fame in Europe as an action star compared to being just a black actor in the USA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was good for me. It's like, the movie wasn't good. But I, I had fun. I got I got to romance a chick. And this and is get... this is the kind of thing you make in it. Like as an actor, you show up, you do your lines, you have a mm-hmm. blast, and you and you cash the check. That's the thing you do. Like you know, like, I'm sure everybody on set had a blast making this. I have no doubt of that. Yeah, but I mean, there, there is there is a lot of fun in this. I mean, well, and... he's even got like the special, like specialty tipped arrows and stuff mm-hmm. in this film. I mean, he's even got a gimmick. Sorry, we we just sorry behind the curtain, we just recorded an episode of our side project there about the uh, Thor movie, and Hawkeye shows up in that, and yeah. I was like, oh, and then we get another guy with like super arrows who's who's in this. This so, is you know. uh, this is kind of like if Hawkeye was black and wearing Asgardian armor. Or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. and he's got like explosive tips just like hung in there, which you don't even need a lot of force to make those explode. Because at one point he literally just picks one off, he throws it over Talk. his shoulder. I can only imagine what this band must do in order to jerk off if he's using his left hand. <laughs> this is not the kind of <laughs> this is not the kind of explosive ordinance you want that intimately connected to you. He doesn't have to like turn them on or anything. He literally just sticks it on and just. Shoots it in, and, it's and I mean, driving that goddamn dune buggy he's driving, he's got to have a bumpy road. Like, if yeah, his goblin hits like the side of the car or something like that inside, yeah. game over. <laughs> <laughs> There's also like he's got blue and red tips, and I mean, I guess the red tips are supposed to be like fire bombs, whereas the blue tips are supposed to be regular bombs but they kind of I, I love that at one point he like picks one over the other and i couldn't even remember which one he picked it was literally like no red no no blue i love blue, that definitely like blue. Pay attention to that <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was kind of invested in the, like this one character is you know like because at this point you know scorpion has been captured and he's being drug along and you kind of expect oh there's going to be some moment where like he cuts the rope with an arrow or something it's like no keep dragging him it's fine keep keep dragging yeah. it's fine I'm going to take care of the one guy. I'm just going to fire an arrow in front of, not even hit him. I'm just going to like vaguely knock him off his bike. Okay. There's a, yeah, going to happen. Next guy <laughs> I'm going to shoot and he's going to blow his fucking head off. Cause I'm going to hit him right in the head with my incendiary bomb. And then the third guy, we'll just wait for him to get out and like hold still for a while. And so I kind of like to think that Fred Williamson is like the laziest hero imaginable. <laughs> you know, pretty much. He literally just he just kind of waltzes on there, and when you see him like putting the tips on those arrows and like the the effort that he has to go into, it's like the only reason that you're a badass is that no one else knows how to do anything ever. Like that's mm-hmm. the that that's your that's your superhero power is no one can hit you because the script says so, or just because nobody can shoot. I, I do I do kind of respond to these and just to to over intellectualize this slightly, okay. Which I never ever do as as uh, regular listeners. Uh, no, we're not going. I'm not even going to talk about politics here. There's no there's no point. Um, we can uh, we will. But <laughs> whenever I watch this kind of film, like whenever I watch The Road Warrior, when I you know the amount of gas that's available 
and I like these biker gangs. I think Waterworld was the one when I saw that, and I just it just could not get it out of my head the amount of fucking fuel that these people burn when which is supposed to be like this super limited resource <laughs> that like you how are you like modern fuel? I mean, not to get like I'm not like a petrochemical engineer or anything, but like this is like highly refined stuff. This is like you need like technological mechanisms you need like a whole society in order to make gasoline that you can burn in a car these vehicles would be you know completely you know (laughs) they'd be running on like vegetable oil they'd run at 10 miles an hour and if you did have like a need for some you know like souped up thing you would drive it as sparingly as fucking possible (laughs) you know maybe maybe these were all electric cars (laughs) maybe they sound like it but you know who knows but then where do you get the energy to do that? Because you never, like, there's no... Well, the other thing is, like, ammunition. And I know that this is just kind of goes a lot. Like, they have, like, these laser guns, like, these heat guns or whatever that they're supposed to have, which only makes this problem worse. But, you know, <laughs> it is kind of one of those things where, like, ammunition is just everywhere in these worlds, you know? And in some cases, you just kind of get that hand waved off. It's like, oh, everybody was like stockpiling for the apocalypse or whatever, you know? And there are like these caches all around. I kept thinking about like something like like a Fallout Three or a Fallout mm-hmm. kind of game, but set in like this kind of like pseudo nineteen eighties post apocalyptic wasteland where everything looks like this instead of being that like fifties Z Rust right. kind of idea. And then I kept thinking like, how fun would it be to play one of those games that had like realistic ammunition and damage? Right? If you get hit by a bullet, you're out of commission until you seriously go heal yourself. Yeah, and you only have like four bullets of your own to like deal with and like it's like infiltration missions and that kind of stuff. I was literally thinking about that as a video game. Please, if someone wants to make that game, I will you can have it. I would I would I, I would think, definitely play that. You know? I think there has been games made that way. I know Fallout New Vegas has a mode that's very much like that. Right. Well even there like you still have like stem packs and that sort of thing. I mean it's just sort of like one of those where like if you get shot you have to like restart from a previous save point and that sort of thing. Like where the, the the whole fun of playing these games is the being able to kind of walk into the nuclear wasteland and blow things away. Like that's right. part of the fun of it. So, uh, you know, I don't know. It just kind of strikes me as like, everybody's got bullets. Nobody ever runs out of ammo. Nobody ever runs out of gas. And it's, this kind of implies this kind of larger ecosystem that just is never oh, this, explained. And this, that's not unique to this film. It's just, you know, there were, there were big chunks of this film where I had time to think, let's put it that way. And well, so, yeah, and this makes me question what they were thinking. You're like, I, I do applaud them that they tried to be slightly original, original mm-hmm. stuff, stuff going on here. You know, Castor is like, what is this? It's a script. This is a road warrior, right? A road warrior. We need no. We need to change that. And fucking, so they do change it a bit, but they change it in weird ways. Where so apparently there is no fuel crisis in this world at all, which is. Right. Kind of the central conceit of Mad Max and the Road Warrior. Um, and then there's, uh, you You said, no ammunition problem, because even though they're using guns that clearly shoot bullets, they're shooting, like, heat lasers or some shit. Right. But then it brings into question, this is ten years after the nuclear apocalypse. Why is there no radiation or contamination? Motherfucking Scorpion at one point stops his car and just goes over to a stream and fills his water bottle. And it's like, yeah. dude... 
<laughs> like what? what, what well, like don't don't the, doesn't the religious cult sort of have, well the good guy religious cult, like the 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 space Amish? I keep calling them space, but you know you know what I mean. What's led by uh, the future Amish? You know, future Billy Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Our 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 future our future Amish like uh you know they even say like we lived underground in this like a vault. Like yeah. hello for seven years, as was prophesied, and then like we came up, and then we've been wandering for two years, and it's like this sounds like a more interesting. So why are we not watching this story? Why oh, are uh, these guys not the heroes of this? Story? Oh, the, oh. I, I want to say by the way, Hughes brothers, you fucking hacks! This is the book of <laughs> Eli and oh oh yes oh yes <laughs> they used to call it God. The apocalypse was nine years ago. You are fifty five years old. Like <laughs> back in the day, they called it God. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, it's so uh... sometime between 1983 and 2010, people just forgot all religion. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that what happened, that and that's happen. why the apocalypse happened. Clearly, it was those godless atheists pushing the button. You know. Oh, there's even a there's even a deeper read here for oh. We should just get into this. The, we should we should get into we Templars. should get into this. The Templars, yes. Okay. Why don't you tell the audience who the Templars are, Lee? The Templars are a bunch of men with with real, giant cod pieces, giant cod pieces, elaborate hairdos, semi stormtrooper esque uniforms, and they are a sadistic cult of gay thugs. Who are basically the worst end-all example of slippery slope argument that people against gay rights want to put out there? Like if you give them too much rights, they're going to kill all the straights. You know, it's just it's, so. So let's describe this initiate. So so um, Scorpion gets completely captured because he's completely useless. He's captured. He's useless. He gets captured. They blow up his car. You know, it, it's one of those like it should be a real down moment of the film, but oh, we're gonna go so much. We're gonna go. So, it's gonna be. <laughs> we're gonna go very different. <laughs> and previously, we've seen a character bound to this like kind of uh, like looks like a swing set kind of setup. You know, where you know the the hands are kind of bound above him, and you know there's a there's this thing around his neck, and we're not quite sure. Basically, is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks, it looks like some, some, some kind of rig, and you're just gonna, okay. Well, so you're gonna torture him or whatever. Like that's, it's just the torture implement, and it is, but it's a very particular kind because what you find out is that uh, the one George Eastman, mm-hmm. he shows up and you think he's gonna stab the guy in the back, but no. Oh, he well he does. Slices, well, <laughs> he does stab him, just not with the knife. He slices. His his belt off, and suddenly you get shot of his bare ass. Middle there you go, middle aged flabby white ass. <laughs> P- looks probably very much like my ass. I'm not gonna, you know. There's no yeah, no no judgment here. no judgment here. And then another man comes up and uh, forces his head down through this pulley mechanism thing. Mm-hmm. And then you see uh, the one. He reaches to his crotch and starts like, uh, you don't see anything, but he's definitely. 
pulling something out there. <laughs> and then uh, lots of shots of a very uh, suffering Scorpion while the other men look on dispassionately. There's some disco lighting. There's some disco-esque soundtrack music going on that <laughs> definitely makes this look like a gay porn from the 1980s. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, and, but then later, then, you know, he gets uh, interrupted doesn't like pull his pants up or anything. And then later on, I mean, you do see like, he's not like flapping in the breeze or anything. So maybe he hadn't quite consummated that moment, but it certainly looked painful. You know? Yeah, he he did. So, so, you know, let's just say we have had to deal with the topic of rape more than maybe we would like on this podcast. It, it comes up pretty regularly. This is the first male on male rape. I've seen in a film uh, that we've covered, at least that I can recall. While I admire the desire for uh, a bit of equity <laughs> between, <laughs> you know, this is about the worst possible way to handle this topic. <laughs> Just to make the apocalyptic death cult literally described as, you know, a bunch of queers. Like, you know, so it's not even like this one guy. No, the apocalyptic death cult is just gay men. Yeah, that, that, that's it. That's who they are. I, I will say, I mean, slightly in defense of this, and I can't believe I'm saying I'm trying to defend this. It, it does kind of bring up the subtext of the Mad Max, uh, the road warrior and bring it to the full front because sure. I mean, it's implied in Mad Max that the biker gang is mostly gay, if not entirely gay. Right. I mean, there are ways of kind of handling this material. There are definitely sort of, you know, this film, I don't want to say there's no subtlety because even the concept of subtlety is a lot, like, is too subtle for this yeah. film. You know, <laughs> not enough film here for there to even be, there's not even two dimensions in this film. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, not the kind of film where you want to try to explore the, um, this, this kind of issue. Uh, it it came out of nowhere. It was definitely it really one of those is. moments. Um, I was not bored. I was not bored. Uh, my wife is sitting and watching it with me, and uh, just kind of idly on her phone. And uh, when when she cuts the uh, the when he cuts the um, the pants off, uh, well, um, um, what? <laughs> yeah. And then when he reaches down and like starts to unzip his, his pants, I went, "You gotta watch this. Get off your phone." Rewind. <laughs> and then she's like, Wait a minute. Is this happening? Is this really happening? Yeah. Oh. It's totally happening. And um, yeah. No, so so this film brought my wife and I together. We shared a moment watching, <laughs> watching the butt fucking. That was the thing that happened. So. Oh, but it, it does explain and, and basically acknowledge. Oh, oh sorry. Theory. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. 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 You know. But it does explain and and fully acknowledge this like weird love triangle thing early on between like the one his uh, second in command shadow right. who looks like Stacy Keach uh, auditioning have, for Battlefield Earth. I have a similar complaint about the oil thing, only it's related to hair dye. How much fucking hairspray is there in this universe? Uh, hairspray, but this guy has like a purple mohawk. That takes work to maintain. This is the, oh, yeah. I now have this vision of this guy. Like I really want to see a post-apocalyptic movie where there's like some like gang, like some gang sub head guy, you know, who's obsessed with this like getting his hair dye perfect. And so they're constantly like raiding 
convenience stores from the like pre-established, you know, to find like the perfect color of hair dye, and they're mixing hair dye for him, and then he kills underlings that bring him the wrong shade. I kind of had that fantasy while watching this film as well. Well, and wouldn't I mean, you love to see that post-apocalyptic movie? Wouldn't you love it. to see that that in the bad guy? You know. That sounds like a post-apocalyptic movie that, like, John Waters would make, you know? like Sure. Yeah, and I would be on board for that. And it feels like all these people came from a vault where, like, if it was in the Fallout universe, this was the vault where they fucked with the people by not giving them food or anything. Just, mm-hmm. just hair care products. That's all they had. So they had to escape the vault with their <laughs> hair care products to find yeah. food and water. Right, right, yeah, no. There's there's a very clear pecking order of hierarchy in terms of like how good your hair is. Even our even our uh, you know kind of um, uh, George Eastman, you know, he's got that like feathered tip, you know, kind of kind of look, you know. Yeah, the hair in this film really really worth it. And even Scorpion, he's got good hair. You know, he's kind of got that little bit of he's got that little bit of a um. It's kind of Ron Burgundy, but not quite as a popular. I was thinking of um, who's the lead in the last goodbye? Elliot Gould. Oh yeah, I was thinking yeah. like older Elliot Gould. You know, kind, kind of that kind of look. You know, <laughs> it it really is weatherman hair. Like it's TV weather. Like, <laughs> before the apocalypse, he was a TV weatherman. Like I, I just get, like he walks in from like the streets of San Francisco or something. Like I really expect him to be like this Columbo figure with a gun. You know, like <laughs> no, it's just like this is such you know so many better movies occurred to me watching this movie that it was entertaining in and of itself. Honestly, you know, mm-hmm. I would love to see a movie of you know post apocalyptic wasteland, uh, like cop traveling around to the villages, you know, kind of man with no name thing, chasing after a a petty thief who is, uh, you know, kind of ordering his underlings to uh, get hair dye. Mm -hmm. And um, I think since, since, since we know that there's a director watching or listening to this podcast, I think Albert Pune would be the perfect person to direct this film. Uh, I mean, this is honestly, this is pretty much, the sequel to Radioactive Dreams. If, if yeah, you want. Although this came out before Radio, but yeah, no, no, very, very much. They could be set in the same universe, you know. Yeah, because yeah. because it feels <laughs> the future Amish. They're 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 trying to like travel to this like promised land thing. Mm-hmm. So it almost feels like all these people are like having their little conflict confined within a few few thousand square miles or something like that, and then like mm-hmm. the outside world is still going on. Kind yeah, of. no, the, 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 you get that feeling a lot with a lot of these films. And they're even like talking about it, like, do you think there are other people alive? And, and this is like the village, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the village, but even shittier. That's what we're seeing. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Shyamalan, you hack. <laughs> but yeah, so the second <laughs> the second in command to the one, like, again, Stacy Keach, yeah, auditioning yeah. for Battlefield Earth. Like, he's got this weird hair bun thing going on, which is just, he, he looks like Stacy Keach in, I don't know if you ever seen this movie. It was a horror anthology with John Carpenter as the, like the crypt keeper type role mm-hmm. and it, the body bags from like the early nineties. Well, oh, it, it uh, if you, if you, if you look up Stacy Keach body bags, you'll see pictures of him. Like his, his uh, segment is one where he gets like a hair transplant because he's going bald. And and it starts growing like luxurious just hair everywhere, and he, he's pr- pretty much dead on the same. And this guy looks like Stacy Keats as, as far as I'm concerned, like totally. Awesome. Like, I don't know. I feel like we've hit the high points, and we haven't even talked about like the pretty girl that's in it because she's barely in it. But you know, 
do except for sleep with our schlub of a hero. Yeah. And then she just kind of gets put on the side. Like she's just, yeah, I guess there are two pretty girls. One of whom sleeps with our hero and one of whom sleeps with Scorpion. That's the, you know, yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? No. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. One of whom actually has a personality and seems to be uh, interested in fucking someone. And the other one uh, is just kind of a prop for the movie to show her tits a couple of times. Yeah. Although they don't even show them. They, they have them like in a uh, silhouette. In a, in they a have it in a silhouette, but later on she's uh, receiving medical attention from The Wiz. Oh, and yeah. uh, like one of her boobs is just like hanging out there, and oh, that's okay. you know I counted that I counted that. Okay. You know, not that I was watching for it or anything, but I was I was expecting yeah. it. Frankly, she has yeah. nothing to do. And I mean, if you're if you're going by your like hair care product thing, she's on <laughs> for the Templars because they're like, where did you get your shit? Because <laughs> right. her hair is just up, very much up. Yeah. Um, uh, fucking, I just got to say, fuck Bob, the little kid uh, from Host by the oh. Cemetery. I, I hate him. Uh, he's this—he's this little mechanical genius in this movie. Who? Part I don't of- know why they have like a ten-year-old be the the mechanic. There's no point to it except he gets to he gets to use a slingshot because he's like a little rapscallion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised they didn't like explain it that he's like a midget or something because you mean I like you had the, you had the explanation like I'm actually 200 years old. I'm just like poisoned by radiation or something. You had that right there. You had that yeah. right there. You know, I mean, we could rewrite this fucking film. Uh, we have rewritten this yeah, film. Have, yeah. Between the two of us, in the like forty minutes we've been recording this podcast, we have rewritten this film, and uh, it was better. You know. And speaking of costumes, and but by the way, everyone's fucking costume has to have like shoulder pads for some reason. Yeah. It, it was just... it was the early eighties. I did. I don't I don't think that they made costume. I don't even I don't think that they made clothes without shoulder pads in the nineteen eighties. I think that but was just you know, the, the like the, the Templars shoulder pads especially look like they they look like they're wearing um football equipment like American football pads. Mm-hmm. That's what they, they they literally look like that, you know, exaggerated. But uh, speaking of the uh, the rip they do here from uh, for a fistful of dollars, <laughs> they had the spaghetti western showdown at the end with Scorpion and the one, and Scorpion's wearing this like big fucking poncho at first and he gets shot pulls it off and the fucking armor he's wearing (laughs) (laughs) it it looks like something out of barbarella is what it looks like you know and um like the kid has 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 uh informed us through like very late in the film it turns out oh i have not just like bulletproof glass I have bomb-proof glass. Mm. You, you can throw bombs at me, and I will laugh at you, uh, Nadir, Fred Williamson, you know, and that's... And then, like, oh, and now I can make it into this carapace and give it to you, and you can, like, wear it around. It's like, motherfucker, where were you, like, in the... You could have... How many lives have been lost? Because <laughs> how many lives are lost in this film? Well, this guy's, like, <laughs> you know, he's literally had ducky behind cars and shit, and it's like, dude, you are wearing the, like, impenetrable bulletproof vests. Oh, literally, like, almost every life is lost, because while they're fucking around, the fucking Templars go and find the uh, future Amish and murder, like, literally... They murder, they murder like, all, all but, like, three of them. You yeah. know, like, you know, like, every character with a name dies in this film. That's basically what happens. And most of those don't have a name, because almost no one has a name. But, mm-hmm. like, anybody who who has a line of dialogue ends up dead at the end of this film, except for, like, you know, our couple of heroes. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, 
the direct, uh, the very direct Mad Max two ripoff, the Road Warrior ripoff, uh, where the they did they do it twice in this film. First, it's the Templars surrounding like a little caravan of people who are circled, basically circled their cars around. In in that confrontation, fucking, there's this man. I here's where I was like paying attention a little too much. There's this one guy in a green jacket that dies like ten times, and then <laughs> you paid attention to that. I paid attention to which, uh, which one of the uh, bombs Fred Williamson was going to take from his uh, from his gauntlet. So you know, yeah. I, I I get it. Sometimes you hyper focus in these things, like oh, what's what's going on on screen? I need I to, was, I need to know. I was thinking that scene was fucking. Uh, it was basically. Be kind, rewind, like where they're recreating Mad Max Two. Mm-hmm. Basically, what that was. That's how. That's how it looked. But yeah, there's some Bond stuff in this too. Like there's literally a shot where uh, Scorpion shoots somebody kind of through a pipe, mm-hmm. and you see, like he first of all, like you get like the scarred face from the heat gun or whatever, and then he falls over, and then you get like the reverse shot, right? And you see looking through the pipe at. Our hero, hero in quotes, <laughs> and it looks very much like ripped off from James Bond. So you get that, which you know, hey, you know what? I'm down for it. Well, yeah, and fun. I mean, the, you're having I fun. Mean the, it's a fun moment. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, and also just like the gadgets, all the cars have. Oh, no, all the cars have gadgets, and they have like these like really weird, like like crazy gadgets. In fact, the 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 way our the way the one gets uh, dispatched, uh, kind of yeah, because the kid gives the uh, gives our hero gives Scorpion. A drill that he mm-hmm. just attaches to the front of the car, and uh, how do you how do you kill the one after the um, initiation ritual? Uh, you stab him through the back of the car into his um, somewhere on his back. I'm assuming up his ass, ass with a giant <laughs> drill. Yeah, and then no, that's how he very, dies. Uh, very, uh, it's poetic justice, you see. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's the level to which this film goes. That's where that's where that's where Castellari just like. Yelled, cut, and went. Oh, masterpiece! <laughs> oh. It's, it's very, very uh, deep, very thematic. Yes, uh, <laughs> that's not even my favorite of the gadgets in the film, though. My favorite is at one point, uh, one of the tough guys, one of the bad guys, throws a bomb onto, like, like a time bomb onto uh, the car, onto the mm-hmm. uh, supposedly like the Mad Max, in, uh, you know, car, and he presses a button. And the door just pops off and flies towards the guy that just shot. And it's like, if what? Okay, I'll grant you, useful in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. And what other possible circumstance is this technique useful to anyone? <laughs> Advanced door magnet. What it is? <laughs> I mean, it just rips the door off a car. It's, yeah, it, it just it was a, a police. It was a police device in, in yeah. before the war or whatever. Let's just let's just fire the door off because that's a that's a thing that's used, you know I guess like an escape hatch sort of thing but like ultimately you know we had the budget to build like one little spring loaded device and so we did yeah. no, it's just like... and then he, and then the film commits to it he drives around for the rest of the film with no door which mm-hmm. and and no seat belts no one wears seat belts in these films but you know no not that you really need to when you're going two miles an hour it's, no. it's just you can't you you can't justify. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely one of those like so bad it's good, like legitimately so bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good and entertaining yeah. kind of films. Um, 
I would pair this with Death Sport, by the way. I don't know if you've ever seen that. No, I haven't. Um, so we need to see Death Sport. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's key. We, yeah. we should do it. Um, but this this is like a this this would be one I I, I kind of saw this in the you know I saw this like prepping for for a podcast that's not the way to to see this you know mm-hmm. the way to see this is to uh, grab a beer or uh, a substance of choice whatever whatever your substance is get some get some people together who like watching bad movies and uh, sit and and watch this that's yep. the way to do it you know yeah and I mean this is. This is not one of those bad movies where it just like drags way too much. Like it's no. there's always something kind of going on in the film, so it, it'll keep you watching even to the end. I think it's ninety minutes. I mean, there were a couple of bits where I was kind of like, "All right, let's listen." I again, I think my thing was I was also expecting kind of a big car chase scene at the end because right. normally the way these are structured is you get like some action stuff at the beginning and then you get some action stuff at the end. And it's not that you don't get action stuff at the end. But it's just kind of it's, like uh, it's spaghetti hiding Western, behind though. stuff, and yeah, I mean it's bad spaghetti western. It's, it is, it's, yeah. you know, it's it's like the low budget cheapo spaghetti western stuff. And I mean, you know, it's fine, but I was really wanting like one more big car chase, and you, you just don't get that. So, um, you know, and some of the gore stuff is pretty pretty fun. You know, it is. First, you know, it was funny. Like they front load like all that like cool stuff in like the first twenty minutes or so. So you know, yeah, and I think that's what I like the most about it like that's the thing i really get a kick out of because it, it's, one of the, it's one of the two surprising things about this film it's the the rape initiation thing which is just like what the fuck where did this movie go and it doesn't go really any further after that which is like man they could have took this down a deep dark fucking pit of despair if they wanted to this could have been another soldier blue like yeah. at the end <laughs> but uh but it's that and just like the first time I, I remember seeing these. Man, imagine if Corbucci bodies. had directed this and like at the end oh. <laughs> at the end everybody dies except for the one. Oh. <laughs> oh man, no, that's <laughs> and I, I enjoy George Eastman overacting. I always enjoy that. Um he obviously had fun with this shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I got no trivia for this one. There's everything, everything you need to know is on screen on this. Yeah. Pretty much. And we kind of, we kind of chatted about, it. I mean, if you read the like, production notes, there's some, there's some fun stuff kind of mm-hmm. kind of buried in there, you know, I mean, this is a cheapo movie. It was made to make a little bit of money. Apparently it, it made not think. really any money, no. but like over the decades, I'm sure it probably Maybe turn to pro. I don't know. Who knows, made but. back its four hundred dollar budget. Yeah. 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 Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so DVD info for this: uh, you can get the single New Barbarians Blu-ray or D- DVD combo pack from Blue Underground from 2015. You can also get this in the post-apocalyptic collection from 2018, which is what I own on DVD or Blu-ray, and that comes with also Castellari's other two films that he filmed within the six months period with this. Uh, 1990, The Bronx Warriors, and Escape from the Bronx. And we're going to be doing those this summer on the podcast. So. Awesome. Yeah, no, I was I was wanting to do those, so definitely. This is on Amazon Prime. If you're an Amazon Prime yeah. person, I think it's it. on. I think it's on YouTube. And it, and it looked pretty good. It look, I mean, you know, I usually, mm-hmm. I, I pay for Amazon Prime. If it's there, I, I typically use that. It's just sort of a, you know, an easy. It, yeah. it convinces Amazon to keep it on the service, if nothing else, if people <laughs> watch it. So, you know. Yeah, I think I think they probably got the blue underground uh, print from that. Most yeah, likely. I mean it looked it looked fine. I didn't, you know, there was no, it didn't look amazing, but it, it looked fine. Yeah, it looks like what it was. So, yeah so, yeah. so, so next time we might be going a 
slightly off course here and doing a, a Fulci film because Paul. There, there is no, there is no off course for this podcast. <laughs> we can uh, do Paul, anything. So We're going to do six months of like baby talking movies. That's going to be our our next. <laughs> It's gonna be look who's talking and all of its clones. We're gonna go back and do all the you know. Oh my fuck! No, we're not Baby actually gonna geniuses. do that. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, no, we're gonna, do. we're gonna make like we're not even gonna cover the films one at a time. Like, there's so much resonance. We're gonna cover them like one movie across three episodes. Baby oh. geniuses, first twenty two minutes. That'll be you know, that's where we get our real audience from. Yeah, you know those podcasts that'll do like Star Wars, like a minute at a time, and they'll spend an hour talking about it. That's what we're gonna do, but we're gonna do it with baby geniuses. Geniuses, a minute at a time, the most niche audience ever to listen to that shit. There's a podcast which is made by some really entertaining people. I haven't listened to it because it sounds insufferable, but it also sounds amazing based on the quality of the people. And it's called the worst idea ever, or something to that effect. And the idea is they review, it's two guys, and they review the same film every week for a year. And it's all, like, they did Grown Ups 2. Oh and they God. rewatched it 52 times and fuck? reviewed it 52 times. Jesus Christ. That's fucking <laughs> that's so You have to keep watching it. And you keep having to, so, so, and then, like, in every episode, they'll do The Shining Light is one of their segments. And so it's like, okay find something good to say. Can you imagine watching this film 52 times and like on episode 47, you have to find something new positive to say about this movie. Oh my God. No, I, I couldn't do that. Whoever they're masochists. Like if they're fucking doing that, at least one of them is from New Zealand and there's just not much to do in New Zealand. I guess. Yeah. Except like dodge big spiders. Although that seems to be more Australia, listen, I mean, probably New Zealand as well. New Zealand is, they've got the big fucking huntsman spiders that crawl into people's houses and like go behind their clocks and shit. No. And then you you pull the clock off the wall, then all of a sudden you got this fucking big ass spider with like a leg span like bigger than your fucking hands. (laughs) That sounds worse than watching Grown Ups 2 every week for 52 weeks, or or maybe. Maybe. I, I would contest with the spider. I. Yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I just distracted the audience for for three minutes. It's a it's yeah, a it's fine. It's a thing. It's what we do. But yeah, we're probably going to be looking at Lucia Fulci's only foray into sword and sandals films. Although there's a bit of a sci-fi bent to it as well. And we're going to be doing Conquest. Okay. Um, awesome. I can't remember. Can't remember the year. 1980 something. Paul requested that one, and it's like, yeah, we should fucking do that one because that one's. Pretty fucking batshit crazy. So uh, we're gonna cool. look at conquest next time. Awesome. We're gonna conquer it. Probably not initiate it. That's that we should not do an initiation. No, no, we're gonna try to sway away from that. But uh, initiate the audience on where they can find you on the internet. There, Daniel. <laughs> well, if you do care to find me on the internet and you haven't already done that, um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Daniel Lee Harper. Um, I mostly tweet about terrible, terrible people talking about terrible, terrible things like mass genocide. Also in this film, not worth taking completely seriously. So we didn't mention it, but it's in this film as well. I also do a podcast called I Don't Speak German, which is about those same kinds of people, uh, literal neo-Nazis, terrible, terrible, awful people. Yeah, you can find that at I Don't Speak German, thatlipson.com. Awesome. And you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com or you can find our 
Apple Podcast link, YouTube, Facebook, join the Facebook group, and you can sort of find out what's coming up on the podcast and all that good stuff, and you can interact with us. And You can ask questions, and we'll answer them on air, mm-hmm. even if they're completely terrible. Yeah, but uh, so far we've been lucky with the Facebook group. It's not YouTube. Let's just put it yeah. that way. Or you could just find one of our episodes on YouTube and post a comment, and we will also read that on air. I had a, I had a thought. I was wondering, like, because I've noticed we've gotten more, like, really just abrasive YouTube comments lately. Mm-hmm. I was kind of wondering if some of our listeners... Some of our regulars are actually doing it on us. purpose. Yeah, it's possible. It's <laughs> yeah. possible. If you are doing it, please let us know, because we'd like to applaud you for, like, making highly accurately terrible YouTube right. comments. I mean, I've got to say, the one at the end of the exclamation points uh, of that, that's... Um, that that feels a little too on point. Like, I, could try you, it for you. You told, you told me that one, and I was kind of like, "Well, that that might be somebody funny with us." That 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 could, you know, because that's that's been such a cliche for like ten years that it's hard to imagine anybody did that unironically. But you know, who knows? Yeah, you're just be. so angry. You're typing so hard, and you just forget the shift key for that one exclamation point, and then hit enter before you notice it because. Um, I can only imagine that someone who spells the, uh, you know, uh, who who uses one G in that, uh, you know, other <laughs> F word, you know, unironically, you, know, I, I, you don't even you don't even know enough to use the like YouTube appropriate like you know slurs, yeah. the ones you know where you recode it as something that doesn't get caught by the filters. Mm. No, you're just going to use the one G. You know. <laughs> I can I can only imagine that that guy's account got deleted, <laughs> you know, or is, is on its way. I need to go find that guy and find his account and find what other videos he looks at. Hmm. Um, Max Mayer, M A Y E R. Well, you know, who knows? You might be. He might have found the podcast through the other work I do. Who knows? Yeah, you know, you never know. That could be it yeah, too. But yeah, uh, anyway. Yeah. But yeah, until then, uh, until next time, uh, we will see you guys again. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Cheers.
You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>